This episode is with special guests Emily Blayfeld and Dan Cohen. We explore how the heart can perceive, see, and communicate silently, the powerful inner work that can develop consciousness, bringing compassion and understanding to a larger tapestry of your life, and shifting the binds that limit our hearts. Dan, Emily, and I have wonderful conversations about our ancestries and how that shapes who we are. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candice Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. This episode is made possible by the monthly embodied group call. There are two calls beginning November 2018 that will be offered where you can receive transformative support for the soul and the body for whatever comes up in each month or for strengthening your energy and intentions on your journey. So this is for you if you'd like some of that soul and body healing, support moving through your emotions, tuning into your intuition and getting very clear with yourself and aligning with your purpose, your wisdom and beliefs that give you empowerment. It's a lovely way to both receive healing support at a lower cost than individual sessions and to support the podcast. If the podcast has inspired you or touched you at all, this is a way to contribute back and all of the proceeds go towards podcast production and to nourish each episode. You can sign up at candicewu.com slash Patreon or take a look at the other offers that are on Patreon that you can contribute to the podcast. Thanks so much for considering. I am just honored to have Dan and Emily on the show today. I appreciate the profound and very clear ways that they reveal the inner dynamics that connect up with our souls and our collective dynamic. I've experienced this personally with their work where I have found uh, an unbinding and untangling with the dynamics that are in my history the dynamics and stories that needed acknowledgement so that I could move forward in my life. And I found that they hold space for so many layers of consciousness, including the collective energies, personal histories, ancestral, cultural, historical, and other worlds and dimensions that influence who we are today, that influence our feelings inside and how we see ourselves in the world. I specifically experienced this with myself in a family constellation with Dan and Emily together, where what came up was I wanted to feel a stronger sense of myself. And in the constellation, a person was representing my grandmother. And this person kept saying something about losing her footing, losing her footing. And what revealed itself through that was the cultural history in Chinese culture of foot binding. And I was somewhat aware of that, but through that connection, it led me to doing a little more research about Chinese foot binding and and why and how women were binding their feet. 
and the relationship with men and women in that dynamic and how it related to me. And I could even remember at that time feeling like my feet felt so weak. They felt like I couldn't really stand on solid ground. So losing my footing, that that quote from my grandmother, seemed to really make sense in the greater context of what was way before all of us with foot binding. So I just wanted to share that bit of a story of my personal experience with Dan and Emily. And I can't wait for you to get a taste of their work here today on the show. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Well, today I'm really delighted to have both Dan and Emily here today. I would love for you to share little bit about yourselves. Hello, Dan and Emily. Hi, Candace. Hi, Candace. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing very well. Really excited to be uh, speaking uh, with you and have this three-way conversation for your listeners. Uh, we're really appreciating uh, the invitation to be a part of the call with you, this podcast with you, and um, just have a great appreciation for you and what you're offering the world. Thank you. The appreciation goes the other way, too. I, I'm so grateful for what you're sharing in the world and Every time I've experienced your work together, it's just really mind and spirit blowing. It's even just being in your presence and as well as doing constellations work, it's like the cosmos open up when we do work together or just be together. (laughs) And I'm just delighted to have the two of you. And this is the first time I've had two guests on a show. And it's also the first time I experienced working with two facilitators. And I would love for you to share with the audience today how you do that and what your work is and who you are. Well, uh, yeah, that's a great place to start. So I'm Dan Cohen, and I work and live with Emily, and we work with people, uh, individuals and groups uh, locally here in Providence, Rhode Island, and all around the United States and internationally as well. And we're working at making the resources of consciousness beyond the ordinary available to people in the ordinary day and day. I'm Emily Blayfeld, and um, Dan and I co-founded Seeing With Your Heart. We met Candace at the North American Systemic Constellations Intensive, and um, it's uh, a real uh, privilege to be a part of this call and to, to share space with you, Candace your work with dreams and your work in the field of consciousness uh, surrounding kind of coming home to yourself and coming home to your being is just uh, really utterly inspiring. I'm just uh, grateful to be your colleague. Thank you. In terms of our work, we work with people on accessing consciousness beyond the ordinary and exploring uh, all the vibrations of their being, the way they, they feel in the world, the expressions of their truth, and how they're, they're actually multidimensional aspects of life, that we, we are humans and we are also vibrating with the consciousness of those that came before us. Um, and so we, we support people in stepping into their power, their purpose, their clarity, their truth, and really their, their own inner mystic to be able to kind of access their magical and mystical sides and, and bring it forward into their life. I feel what you're doing in the world is so beautiful. And you have the Seeing With Your Heart program, which even just feeling into those words, seeing with your heart, it brings to me the feeling of that magic and um, connection with what's unseen and beyond. How did you get into this work? 
or how did you find yourself here? Well, we've been on you know separate paths most of our lives, and then we met six years ago, and and went through a really slow period of getting to know each other and uh, interacting, and then we started working together professionally. Uh, we started co-facilitating together, and then we started uh, doing groups together, and then a our personal uh, relationship grew. We are in a hard space all the time. And even though we're an unlikely couple, uh, just the way that we were traveling these pathways of consciousness so much and, and being open-hearted and seeing with your heart brought us into a, a, a love relationship as well. And so we are uh, connected in, in those ways. Uh, for me, the origins are as a peacemaker uh, someone interested in conflict resolution and violent prevention. And having done that work for many, many years, for decades, I, I realized that there was a, a piece missing. There was a tool that was not in the toolbox. It wasn't even being spoken about. Uh, I didn't know what it was, and it didn't seem like uh, very many people knew what it was. It wasn't in the literature. And I, I went looking for it, and I spent about a year looking for it, and I came across Family Constellations work coming out of Germany and recognized that it was the tool that I was looking for. That was almost 20 years ago. And since then, I've been working with it, you know, very extensively full time for over 10 years. And uh, each time we open up the field of consciousness and, and dive down into these layers of consciousness that are within us and around us, we, we learn something new about the, the mystery of our existence. Uh, for me, I've, I identify as a wisdompreneur. I've just been an entrepreneur who's always seeking wisdom, wisdom of how, you know, how to be human, how to mm -hmm. uh, be the greatest form of myself and the fullest expression of my love and my gifts and talents in the world. And so I was a psychotherapist in private practice and came across this work when I was supporting um, entrepreneurs and visionaries with overcoming kind of the avalanche of modern living, how to be balanced and centered in life and, and also live, live your love, live your purpose. And I came across this work when I was looking for a tool that could support people when they feel like they've met their purpose, they've, they're kind of doing it, they're productive, they're effective, they're living their life, they're in relationship, and yet something still feels like it's missing. There was kind of this inner emptiness that was alive in, in my own life at the time and also in clients' lives. Um, and I went looking for the tool that creates a sense of wholeness, not only in the person, but the wholeness in family and relationships and in communities at large. I find so, so many people that are most successful, that are their greatest visionaries or activists in the world that actually on an extroverted level appear full and complete inside. There's kind of this insatiable desire for something more. And I was curious on what fills that desire, what quenches thirst. And I came across Constellations when I was uh, attending a program called Women Leading Change Against Gender-Based Violence. And this work in 30 minutes, I found my entire family was set up. Um, I saw my, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother kind of in representation form. And there was this emergence of tears and grief. And, you know, the people that participated in the constellation knew nothing about my family and just fully represented all, all of the entanglements that were there. And it was kind of mind-blowing. The, the actual experience was mind-blowing, but I, I didn't really think too much of it, think I'd start facilitating it. But in the weeks to come after that experience, uh, everything in my life changed and I, things in my sister's lives, my mother's life changed. And it just, I realized that this work not only affects the person that's sitting in your office with you, but it affects, you know, every family member that 
in, is in relationship with the person you work with. I, I needed to learn more. And that was kind of the beginning of the journey. Wow. I can really relate to that sense of, of what's, you know, being really successful, being in this more outwardly life that looks amazing and then feeling that emptiness inside or that something's just not really fulfilled or right. I think it's so powerful what you both are doing in terms of working with those subtleties of what that sense, that sense of unease or unrest that can lead to just so much depth and knowing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, you know, a big shift in the paradigm of consciousness. I I was raised in a a very secular environment in, in Manhattan, where the only things that were real were kind of physical objects and uh, the energy that moves it, moves the universe. It's a, a very kind of scientific worldview. And, and I was brought up in that. And I think that's part of, you know, what I felt was missing. Uh, I was aware uh, for myself kind of gathering into large groups around uh, spiritual traditions felt like a bit of a trap for me as I was more mystical in my orientation that if there is consciousness beyond that uh, physical, that uh, each individual has equal access to it, uh, that it's not only spirit mediums that can talk to the dead. It's not only psychics that can be telepathic. It's not only uh, priests or priestesses that have access to angels and the divine, that uh, every individual has that capacity. And I was very interested in what human life looked like if we stepped out of the constraints of a materialist uh, worldview and stepped into a more of a magical worldview that we recognize that that we actually are open and in communication with past, present, and future all at once and, and consciousness beyond us, beyond our, our own individual brains. I found for me, it was a, as a psychotherapist in private practice, working with people who are always kind of trying to find the pathways to to their own healing and wellness. I, I found many times I was being asked to kind of explain away the mystery, um, explain mm-hmm. where where the anxiety is coming from or support somebody in overcoming their their grief or their pain, their suffering, the traumas of their lifetime, and and to understand them. And despite how how often we explored what what we knew and maybe what we knew we didn't know, we, we rarely tapped into those places that of what you don't know that you don't know. And mm-hmm. I, I was seeking to find the answers uh, to what, what can't be explained. Um, who, who is present in someone's anxiety or who is present uh, in somebody's uh, grief and sadness or their, the traumas that they're experiencing? What, what is it that is creating these fractals in human consciousness and, and creating this, 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 this challenge or these intentions or these wanderings? It just felt like there was so much more happening in our space than, than what met the eye or what met the story. And in the work that, that we've done, it, it, it really opens to create space for, for the mystery and for, you know, diving into, you know, who, who else, what ancestor, what spirit guide, what presence is with us in these questions and in these challenges and, you know, how to heal and access a, a much higher level of magic in everyday life. It kind of blew the, the top off psychotherapy for me. And it, kind of revolutionized my practice and, and it opens me to these, to continued questions. Mm, yeah. It's um, very similar to the experience I had. Like it just blew the top off of anything else I knew. And I remember going to my first constellation and just 
being floored. Like I, I had no idea there was something so unexplained and magical and yet synced right up with every part of my being, every fiber of myself that I could feel. And um, I love the way you explain it. And I, I'm curious about how it feels to work together, the two of you and how you tune in together. I've witnessed moments where the two of you are facilitating and you'll say, let's just tune in together. And then you'll just agree on something unconsciously or I, I don't know if that's the right word to say, but you'll agree on something silently mm -hmm. between the two of you and it just starts to magically unfold and or you'll make decisions in the space of not talking out loud. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've just loved witnessing that happen, the magic of that, which is, I think, in some ways not so quote unquote magical, but maybe methodical as well, or maybe just sensing. So I wonder how you speak to that and, and what's happening for you, how you experience it. Sure. It's been a real uh, journey to collaborate, at first collaborate, and then come together. Uh, both of our origins, we both had thriving practices uh, individually. And when we started to collaborate with, with some of our shared clients and each of our clients individually, we found that there was something so much greater that came present into our work when we worked together versus when we worked individually. I find uh, Dan brings this uh, profound sense of history and he, you know, he actually holds his memory outside of his brain. So we'll be working in the field and it's like, almost like an iPhone app when you, when you press an app on a phone and you can just bring up like all this information, he can kind of access a field of memory beyond what he's stored in his brain. That's like an app. It's like he turned on the app and he just draws something in. So we may be working mm -hmm. with somebody's depression and we end up with the uh, famine of, you know, generations past in some uh, third world country where Dan knows nothing about the history and yet he's able to access the information in that person's field of consciousness. So that's something that I have a uh, very strong kind of sight perception and capacity to see and hear and feel and know the exact ancestors in the room. But the context that they they lived in is something that Dan can paint a picture of that's, you know, beyond belief. And when I experienced that the first time um, in working with him, I, I, I quickly felt well, that's like, that's more relevant. That's, that's better. That's, uh, that's a better aspect. It's, you know, if we, you know, put ourselves down and put somebody else above us. So in the beginning of working together, I had to work um, pr pretty solidly on myself, my own inner critic on exploring, you know, wh who is that voice that comes up inside of me that says, you know, just seeing an ancestor or sensing an ancestor or being able to tune in with like that level of precision isn't, isn't as great as being able to understand the full collective macro trauma of, of society or culture. So I guess an answer to that, that that was kind of the beginning. And one of the things that I always say in any collaboration that anybody does with anybody is to really look at what you bring as your own gift and then work with the part of you that discredits your gift as not being enough or polished enough or strong enough or in relation to others can't really take its place. It's our work as facilitators and leaders to really do our work on our own inner critics so that we can show up in our fullness and trust our movement and trust, you know, what we provide. And then secondly, I guess the the place it's led to in doing my own work on my my own wholeness and my own confidence and leadership and being able to honor Dan's gifts and Dan's strength and leadership 
uh, we find that we, it's kind of, it's quite seamless. We can read each other's minds and tune in. And so when we co-facilitate, we're sort of communicating in silence between our hearts. And actually most of the people that do our, our programs will access that capacity to communicate with their heart and communicate with another with their heart. So I, I find it's it's something that all humans have the capacity to do, but Dan and I are practicing every day and you know using that organ of perception like a muscle that you just build. And so there's less need for words and and more more need for the heart and kind of trusting and working together. Beautiful. For me, I come at it from my own background. And I think Emily and I are able to do is we're, we're modeling how the masculine and feminine energies interact and move within individuals and within uh, partners or uh, larger groups of people. As Emily's describing her, uh, that inner critic that comes in, so she may see an ancestor in the room or or get some uh, wonderful, incredible insight about what is happening in the system. And then there's an inner critic that comes in that starts to kind of uh, put it down, a kind of internalized oppressor, internal patriarch who or matriarch who comes in and starts uh, uh, undercutting it. Let me just add something. And that, that happens for most mystics. Well, particularly women that are stepping into a field with a man present, that internalized oppression, that that part that kind of challenges, what are you doing in this field of consciousness? You know, it's taking a stand or speaking your truth. It's almost every mystic I know or every empath I know that stands mm-hmm. in the space with, with a man, that it's our work to find out who is that in our lineage and how to include it and work with it so it doesn't sabotage our, our movement forward and our, our kind of rising and our own leadership. Go ahead, Dan. You know, for, for me as a, as a Jewish baby boomer from New York City, uh, born in the 1950s. So I came into the world 10 years after the end of the Holocaust when, uh, you know, half of the Jewish community had been murdered. And so the babies that were born in the United States, Jewish children came after the war, had such a great pressure put on them or expectation to restock the pond this sense. So there was this tremendous amount of expectation that that there was something that needed to be replenished that uh, myself and, and the others of my generation were going to take care of. And that continued in, through my childhood, even though I was, uh, uh, you know, a great disappointment to my parents in many ways, because I didn't really, you know, pick up the violin or the mm. or, uh, you know, a, a pencil very well. But that expectation was there. And Corollary to what Emily's describing is as a baby boomer white male, I have a kind of arrogance that I'm so sure of myself. I'm so positive that what I think is happening is right and the direction that I want to go is the right way to go. And I know how to help the people. And there are times where I, I need to find how to step back from my own sense of importance, of entitlement, a privilege of the, the wisdom of my own ideas. And I think in the interaction uh, between the two of us, as Emily's inner critic is being kind of worked within her, my kind of inner asshole is getting worked within me. Mm-hmm. And so in our partnership, we're, we're working with these masculine and feminine energies, both with ourselves and with our partnership. And I think what we're able to, you know, create with that is something beautiful. And I, I think that people, uh, you know, don't, see it modeled often. I think that's that's one of the things that people find in our partnership that's very appealing to actually see masculine and feminine, not, you know, beyond a man and a woman, 
but how each of us contains masculine and feminine energies and we hold those in balance individually, but also together in the way that we're working. And how we work with the shadow of it, that, that it's really easy when you're in a place of, of um, leadership to embody the polarity of what you're seeking to set forth. So if I'm wanting to support people in stepping into their mysticism or their breath of life, and it requires space and time and kind of more yin energy, I can find myself meet the polarity to that intention. So inside, I can feel like I want to clarify. I want to make it really easy. I want to move it right along. I want people to understand what I'm doing. There's kind of an anxiety about being with that yin. And, you know, for Dan, it's he at times can step back and be more feminine in, in fear uh, potentially of that, that his masculine may be too strong or may not be received and that he needs to kind of hold space. And in essence, his voice gets lost. So there's also a dance in being able to claim who, who he is as a man in this world, a man of privilege and use that privilege to create uh, spaces for healing and to empower the disempowered and to empower the, his voice. Um, so there's a real dance in, in working with the polarities as they arise. We find any intention that you set, you oftentimes meet its polarity in the first few moments of trying to step into it. That makes complete sense. It's it's also very relevant to me right now, this dance of the polarities. And it sounds like what you're saying, Dan and Emily, what you're saying about what you witness with Dan is that ability to use the tools of masculine and feminine in you and draw upon them at different times, but then also not, well, just experiencing going a little too far maybe or losing yourself in some way and how, where is something a reaction to that initial experience and where is it balanced? Where does it feel like you or feel like you're claiming your full resonance and, and power? It's uh, complex. Absolutely. Right. And it, and it, you know, works right into the core of, constellation work, which is looking at, at the balance of polarities. We, we work often with the way that people are, are their own victims and, and carry kind of a, a victimization consciousness within them and, and keep acting out, uh, playing out in different parts of their lives, the way that they get victimized. Uh, we certainly see it in relationships, that people have a series of relationships and they're, they're victimized in each relationship, or they might see it in their employment where they they're the hardest working person, but every time they're, they're kind of getting taken advantage of. And then also within families with siblings and parents and children, how someone can be playing the victim role or the opposite of that, that someone could be in relationships where they find themselves uh, over controlling or they lose their temper or become, you know, very angered and controlling and they're kind of taking on a more kind of perpetrator energy. And so... Mm -hmm. That's in the, the core design of constellations is to, to bring all that to light and to find, you know, where the threads are, to trace the route back to, you know, where did this pattern of victimization uh, begin? And sometimes we can see it in, in the family with mothers and grandmothers, but often we're tracing it back through history. So if we're working uh, with a person of European descent, we might find it's related to the wars uh, in Europe or Irish, certainly to the. Uh, oppression of Ireland under British rule uh, and wherever it is in the world. You, we're always tracing back both through the family and through the history and then bringing forth and allowing people to be uh, in relationship with the perpetrator within them and the victim within them, their inner victim and maybe what's compassionate in them, uh, what takes care of people uh, 
who are in need or or have uh, or disadvantaged in some way. And the, that perpetrator is the, the person who knows how to get things done, who can step in into a situation of uh, that might be very chaotic and bring some order, have a vision and see it fulfilled. And so there actually is a value in rather than just repeating these memes of of past generations to be able to gather those threads of consciousness and use them to be able to move life forward in a good way for ourselves and for others. Um, for, you know, for me, I found my default is is at times to kind of sit on the fence, uh, as uh, Bert Hellinger, the founder of Constellation Work, would would describe. I, I might not want to stand up from for what I feel or or ruffle anyone's feathers, have start a conflict, or kind of step away. I just sort of am a bystander. I can stay there, kind of quiet on the sidelines of my life and notice that I'm doing things that I don't really want to do, or I'm agreeing to things I might not want to agree to, or I'm, I'm not really addressing the conflict in my life. I'm just kind of sitting back, hoping that it'll, it'll pass. And I find, you know, that many, particularly many women in the world will do that and are trained to do that, to not really stand up for their truth or step into their power or create conflicts and not clean them up. You know, they might people please or do what others want um, not need or receive anything from anybody. And that creates a, a level of flatness and kind of depression, a baseline in life that is like they're not really in the game of life. And it's oftentimes a protection of being innocent. Um, Dan's kind of talking about perpetrators and victims. The, the one who doesn't dirty their hands or doesn't get over involved or kind of stays back and avoids the conflict, you know, maybe doesn't take risks because doesn't want to lose or doesn't step away from something out of fear that it'll be the wrong choice, that we're oftentimes not really fully living our life and we'll feel a level of flatness, uh, emptiness, to put a kind of a light dysthymia or depression. And it can be really collapsing and yet it preserves our innocence and our sense of belonging to our families or our relationships or our way of life that no longer serves us. So a, lo a lot of the work we do is around supporting people and getting off the fence, stepping into their life, and really feeling what, you know, what are the consequences that come up? What energies are moving through them? What are they resisting? What are they accepting? You know, what's their truth in that, in that movement? Yeah, you described my default perfectly. And the words like protection of being innocent, that really can um, give a, like highlight the true heart of it, like the desire that comes out of doing that, to stay innocent, to, to be loved, to be seen in a light a loving light. Thank you for that. And, and I think it's really powerful what you're doing with that language, as well as you're using beautiful language, but I know that the work that you're doing is incredibly tuned into the body and sensing and moving and how you weave this together is beautiful. What challenges do you find in working together or working in this area of energy and consciousness and in the ancestry of everything? For me, one of the challenges is I'm a, a true empath. And so I find the importance for kind of spiritual and psychic hygiene is really high. That after each session, I kind of clear my body and clear the space that I work within. And sometimes days before a session, I can start to feel the the symptoms of what I'm going to be working with. And it's really easy to make it mine. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling some challenge. And you might feel a sense of apathy or a sense of anxiety or a sense of rage that, and, you know, and it's kind of arising in your life. And then two days later, you, you meet with your client and the client describes the exact feelings you've been feeling for 
two to three days. And so in the beginning of my practice, that was a, a great challenge of mine was that I was thinking that I was just emotionally labile. There's all these things that were moving through me when actually it was oftentimes something what we call as pre-field or the consciousness is arriving to work with, to be worked with uh, a bit earlier than the human and human's appointment is actually scheduled. And so I've had to learn all types of practices, kind of setting barriers to, to the space I work in, almost like consciousness waiting rooms where the the ancestors and the guides that are showing up earlier can hang out in the waiting room before the session starts. And it's um, it's been it's been a huge shift and change for my life to have these certain types of practices that really help empaths to do the work they're meant to do. Because I, I find many times it's that energy that can stop us from fully wanting to do this full time. And I, I oftentimes envy Dan because he's like Teflon. It's like not, none of this energy really permeates his system in the same way that, that I feel it in. And I, I think it's it's just based on every, everybody's different way of being. So he's been able to honor the practices I need to, to set up to be able to facilitate in a healthy way. But I would say that's probably the number one challenge that I've had in, in doing this work is, you know, where do I start and another human being begins? Mm-hmm. For me, I think my biggest challenge is a, some kind of over eagerness that sometimes uh, can border on uh, just being a little bit intrusive when I'm in the, the more public conversation around mental health and activism about people wanting to start businesses and grow their practices. There is the dominant paradigm is either a kind of very flat and kind of ordinary reality based, or it can be very disconnected uh, from that reality and kind of up into the clouds, into the ethers, and without a real strong flow and connection between the two worlds. I feel like the work that we're doing is being able to really integrate ordinary day-to-day consciousness, the consciousness of ancestors that's with us all the time, that's always communicating and interacting with us in, in all kinds of ways, and then the consciousness of uh, beyond human scale, the consciousness of spirit, and that there's a way that if we can pull in all of these threads and use them as a resource to be able to clear these ancient wounds and then to be able to access uh, the ethers and and spirit consciousness, be able to access it through our biological lineage, we can really become, you know, really very empowered and capable people who can manifest and, and create what we want in the world. And when I see it, how much it's not happening, and how so many people are just stuck with uh, repetitive emotional patterns and relationship patterns and work patterns and not able to really express themselves fully in the world. It's like frustrating for me. And I always want to kind of, you know, grab people by the shirt and, and tell them, hey, this can, you know, you don't have to live this way. You can actually release. Uh, you don't have to carry a, a bad mood for 10 years. It can be cleared, but you can't uh, do it with the tools that you're using. And it can be a little overbearing. So I've had to learn how to um, modify that, kind of moderate it a little bit and allow people to, you know, come in their own time when they're ready for it. I think something else I want to add to challenges is um, when you step into the path of the mystic or you even step into the path where you're embodying (laughs) some of your greatest gifts in life, some of your greatest talents, it's really easy to feel like that's all you're supposed to do. That, that that is what your life is, is that this is a unique blueprint of who you are as a human being and you're supposed to fulfill it and be it and uh, bring that light into the world. And it's taken me a, a while to work with 
accepting the things that bring me alive, even if they aren't like super spiritual and really mystical and magical, but they're actually things that I just really love to do. So, and to give myself permission and to have conversations with my guides that I'm human and that I have desires to do real human things. And that sometimes I don't, I don't want to be traveling the ethers working in these ways. So for me, I love mentoring and supporting people and stepping into their practices and visibility and bringing their work out into the world. And oftentimes it's real tangible, kind of creating accountability and business planning and, you know, supporting healers and change agents and kind of actualizing or manifesting what they're here to do. But it doesn't require a lot of mysticism or magic. Oftentimes it's just really honing in and supporting people and taking those steps and in a way releasing the binds or the, the fears that are holding them back. And it took me a while, a few years to return to doing that work because I, I felt this kind of debt that I have this gift and I need to work with this gift in every session and, you know, working in kind of a coaching way doesn't do that. And so I think that's another challenge also is to kind of just be with your human self and access your gifts, harness those gifts, but do really what you want to do in constant conversation with your guides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's um, really resonating with me, all of those struggles and this sort of feeling of debt and over eagerness, like really wanting for the world to see different tools or a different way of uh, experiencing that they have access to. It's I've experienced that a lot this year where um, it brought me some suffering that I wanted that for the world, yet sometimes the world doesn't doesn't necessarily want that. And to accept that yeah. where it is. And as you were saying, Dan, to to let people come at their own pace and what I found for me was that connected right up with that younger self in me and other parts of me that wanted to save the world and needed to, to survive, that it was a terrifying world. And if I could save it, then it would just be better. So it was this sense of um, needing control and to shift gears, to heal some of those wounds and shift gears into what actually makes me feel alive and live and feel joy and like I want to be alive. And a big part of that this year for me has been getting into ballet and horseback riding. And so I really resonate with what you're saying. Thank you for that. It's interesting, Candace, because I, I would really love for you to save the world. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I probably should encourage you, but <laughs> I would love for the for for all of us to save the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't want to do it myself. <laughs> right. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna put too much uh too much air in that balloon. But when I think of the work you're doing, I've been listening to the other podcasts and, and just feeling how impactful there are and there and there's just a, a a real beauty and wisdom in in your message and the way you're putting the the shows together, the mixture of meditative and informational and, you know, bringing speakers in it, uh, you know, it's really inspiring for me. And, and I certainly, you know, can understand I have the same motivation uh, as that, you know, as a child of, uh, of Jewish parents, I don't know anything about your family background, except, you know, your last name and, and, uh, and your appearance. So I infer that you're, uh, you know, you have a Chinese background, you know, you go back to generations uh, in China, and it's a place of a tremendous amount of wounding and suffering over the centuries, and, mm -hmm. and certainly also in uh, you know in recent decades. And so, I can appreciate how you would be inspired uh, to you know to want to make an impact in this uh, 
uh, kind of chaotic world of, of humans harming themselves. And there's, you know, there is some balance. Obviously, we can't do it as individual individuals. There, there are big systems in play that are uh, beyond any of our control. And uh, there's also a way for each, each one of us to fully play our part. I just reflect back that I can appreciate you need to, you know, be with your own artistry. Uh, but I, I uh, you do inspire me in that way that the people that you're reaching are, are being impacted in a really positive way. Thank you, Dan. That means a lot to me. Thank you. And to the listeners, I, I would just add that we are fa- on the faculty of the North American Systemic Constellations Intensive, and Candace presented a workshop in one of the breakout sessions at that intensive. And it was one of the best, I think the best constellation workshop I've attended. So for any of you that are interested in working with Candace, uh, she's a phenomenal constellator, offers profound retreats and healing intensives, relationship coaching, and all sorts of different things. So check out our website because um, she is saving the world in in her uh, healings and offerings, and she can have a profound impact on your life. Thank you. It, it just really touches me, and I so appreciate you tuning into my work as well and and engaging with it. It just it means the world to me, and it's so amazing coming from the two of you and seeing what you're doing and experiencing this unbelievable work you're doing that just opens up my soul and spirit. And I can't wait to jump in on your consciousness call. Would you share with the audience about uh, what you do every, is it Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month? The first Tuesday every month, we have a free consciousness call. It's at eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, You can get uh, information about it from our website, seeingwithyourheart.com. And it's an opportunity for us to, you know, kind of a free public space and, and be able to uh, do our work. So we have a lot of people call in uh, internationally. We record it so people can download it and listen to it on their own time as well. And it's a chance for us to, you know, share uh, something of what we're doing uh, with everybody. We do a little bit of meditation and we do some teaching and then we do some, uh, some process work. It's uh, different every time. And it's uh, great to be a part of the global community that joins in for that call. You'll feel uh, callers from all over the world in some of the portions that are live, and you can kind of sense that your heart is connected to a global pulse uh, of consciousness, and we're doing individual and collective healing um, on those calls. That sounds amazing. What can people expect? I know that there isn't a set thing that happens, of course, and it's all intuitive to what's happening, but how does the call go? What can people um, experience? Um, when you call in, we'll open with a meditation. We then invite people into whatever the teaching is of the month. We send out a monthly newsletter with some points around consciousness, healing, self-love, and any of the turbulence in the collective world at the time. We'll kind of reflect on that. So when people call in, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll receive a meditation that's kind of geared towards that topic. We'll offer some teachings on the topic of the month. And then we create constellations that people can participate in from the comfort of their own home, their computer, their phone, where they call in from. And you step into the fields of consciousness and really open to whatever's moving for you in, in that time. Typically, people release something on the call and manifest an intention that they're uh, seeking to manifest. They kind of open to the consciousness that can manifest that. We get a, a lot of positive feedback from many of the people that call in about uh, the changes that occurred as a result of them participating in the global call. Beautiful. I think the core teachings that we uh, work with every month is that 
ancestral consciousness that, that resides in us. It's, it's part of our cellular memory. It's encoded in our DNA. And it's also the, the consciousness that, that moves the universe. It's this larger field of, uh, you could call it quantum consciousness or Akashic records. Uh, there's many different names for it. But it is the theme that, that consciousness creates life, not the other way around. And so that we are swimming in an ocean of consciousness and that when we are connected to it and interacting with it, when we are receiving and transmitting into the field and gaining the resources and particularly with our biological lineage, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, and generations behind them, aunts and uncles, that when we ignore it, they create a lot of symptoms for it. When we uh, pretend that we are just uh, solo entities, uh, just uh, a random collection of molecules that just appeared. And when we exist that way, this consciousness breaks down the door to get through. And it does so through symptoms and repetitive fractal patterns of suffering. And when we open ourselves to it and interact with it, allow it to be with us on a ongoing basis, it actually releases all of those suffering patterns and become a resource and a, a type of blessing for us to really be able to thrive and bloom in the, the, the life that we have for this, uh, however long it is that we're here. When I'm sitting in your presence, Dan and Emily, I feel that sense of um, holding everything that's there in relationship being in relationship with all that is within our consciousness in all the, all the layers and that we're aware of and connecting with it in different ways rather than omitting or erasing or trying to leave behind or cut off from us and just be one part of us. It's such a full feeling. And I hear it in your words, but I also feel it in your presence. And I really appreciate that sense that you bring out in the world. And so if you're here listening, um, you can check out Dan and Emily's work together in a, a variety of methods. They're one-on-one -on -one work with you. They, you guys do a, a free 30-minute consultation. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, they do workshops. We invite people to, to contact us for the free consultation as just an opportunity for you to just share what's alive in your life, what struggles you're facing, what challenges, whether individually or in relationship to another, you're, you're experiencing. And we tune in and rather than asking what's causing this, we, we tune into who's present with you, what's alive in your life that um, is the consciousness that's contributing to these patterns and offer some recommendations and insights for steps forward. So we welcome any of you to go to our website and sign up for that consult. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that either of you want to share today? With, with me, with our audience, with each other. Maybe we can tune in here and see if any messages come through. Oh, that's a great idea. You want to take a, a few seconds? We'll tune in. Let's yeah, do that. That's that. a great idea. Okay. A little dead air time is always good in podcasts. So we, we actually invite all of you listening in to tune in as well. And that means just kind of closing your eyes and breathing with the pulse of life that is you.
Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can uh, I can share an image. Did you get an image, Candice, you want to share first? I got a wave of sadness. And that wave of sadness had to do with pieces of me and perhaps others, I'm not sure, but a sadness about all the ways, times that I've held myself in unworthiness and feeling like there are parts of me that are less than, as you were saying, Emily, with comparing ourselves to other people, especially if you're a woman mystic or empath. And that's my experience too, is comparing myself to others and and seeing their qualities as better when it's really about the different aspects that that are a treasure in me that can be brought to the situation or the interaction. So, so some sadness leaving. Thank you, Dan. Mm-hmm. What do you have? Uh, so you had an image? I felt, yeah, I had an, I had an image uh, came to me. I didn't think it was you. I thought it was a listener uh, and maybe you're channeling uh, someone in your, uh, in your audience that will hear this. But I, I felt a person seemed like a woman who was standing kind of at the edge of a destroyed urban landscape, uh, something that you might see kind of current day Detroit, uh, where there are you know, so many blocks of abandoned and crumbling buildings and kind of broken glass uh, and a place of a feeling of hopelessness and, and destruction and violence. And they were, it was almost like a, being in a painting where they were right at the edge of that and they were looking forward to these uh, green uh, flowing hills and flowers blooming and a mountain beyond with clouds kind of looked like a Mount Fuji kind of scene. And the first part of the landscape felt like the ordinary here and now. That's kind of the life that they're living with the work that they have and getting up in the morning, going to work and not having enough money and blah, 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 their mother and the boyfriend or whatever it is going on. And then they felt this kind of spirit calling for them. They felt guides and angels and a magical world. And they felt themselves getting, getting called to, to step out of that ordinary and into, you know, this brighter, more colorful uh, landscape. And then they were uh, caught with tentacles that were kind of grabbing and, and wrapped around them and kept them trapped. And they, they were struggling against the tentacles. But of course, those kind of forces, when you struggle and pull against them, they just grip tighter. They can't really be mm. broken. And I felt the, you know, the sadness in that, you know, time was passing and life was happening. uh, And this beauty and possibility was right there, but it wasn't being uh, accessed. And and I felt, you know, Emily and I there with the, you know, the message which I described is actually there's, you know, there's a tool to, uh, you know, to release the tentacles. It's it's an animal uh, and it can be uh, whispered to uh, the same way you'd whisper to a horse or a or a dog, you can you can whisper to that uh, what seems like a monster, but it actually has a lot of love and emotion in it and desire, and it's it can be worked with, and it will actually release uh, when it's it's really understood and accepted and brought in as a part of being. It releases, and when it's treated like just something that wants to be gotten away from, that that wants to be destroyed and and eliminated, it grips tighter. Uh, and I, I felt, you know, people in your audience, uh, listeners kind of struggling with that and, you know, wishing for the for the wisdom to be able to free themselves and to be able to, you know, step more into the possibility of their own life. Mm-hmm. That was my image. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you, Dan. Um, for me, I had uh, two images that came present. Uh, the first image was of I was laying in the bathtub, and it was when I listened to your podcast the first time, Candice. And I had had this uh, shooting pain in my low spine at the time. And I thought, this is about self-love. I had a major back injury, and I was trying to heal it without surgery or you know, some of the Western treatments that were being recommended. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune into Candace's self-love podcast and, and start to create some self-care practices in my life. So I was laying in the bathtub listening to your, one of your podcasts and trying to send self-love to, to my low spine. That was the first image. And the second image was you right now where you're sitting with your mouth to the microphone and just generations and generations and generations of women standing behind you. I felt their terror of your visibility, that you're, you're so visible and that I don't think there's anybody that stood behind you who's been more visible in the world than, than you. And um, your voice is being heard and your impact is being made. And there's uh, a fear of your ancestors. There's kind of a fear of what will happen. You know, will, will you get married? I don't even know if you're married. Will you get married? Will you have children? Will you live the traditional life that supposedly brings happiness? And kind of a fear that, that you're going to lose something in this. And then also this like tremendous pride that like you came from them and that you're defying all the codes and the rules and the, and the, you know, ways of being that are kind of locked into your bones and your blood and your ancestry. And you're, you're actually bringing the gift that all of them wish they had, particularly the women, you're bringing that gift to the world, you know, kind of distilling it from the suffering of your lineage of, of women who didn't feel a sense of self-love or wholeness. And um, you're kind of wielding it into this uh, beautiful, pictured you with a sword kind of sending it out into the world as like a beam of light and, and love and power. And it's when it touches the, the hearts of anybody that listens, it, it actually instills an, uh, love into them and sends light into the darkest corners of their bodies, their pain or their kind of anguish. And then I just, when I imagined that light touching each person that's listening, I imagined all the ancestors behind them who also struggle with self-love being touched uh, by your by your heart and your ancestors. And that's uh, that's where I came out. It brought up some emotion in my heart. Oh, wow. Thank you. If you could see me, you probably do <laughs> see me. But if you could literally see me, I'm just in tears. I'm completely in tears. Yeah, thank you. And you're a real gift to the world. And, uh, you know, you're embodying and kind of mentoring and we always have this tagline, imagine who you could be, what you could do, and how your life would change if your inner critic, unwanted patterns and heavy emotions lifted off your shoulders and evaporated. And there, there's a way where you've, you've worked those threads and are, are living your love and um, inviting everybody that's listening to, to do the same. And it's, it's a real privilege, Candice, to be with you on this call and to be with your tears. Thank you. It's for, and for all those that came before you. <sighs> Yes. Thank you. It's it's a real honor to to be in your presence both of you and to hear this now. Um 
I feel like I'm getting my free consultation right here and now live on the podcast. (laughs) Um, And, you know, what just pushed me right to the tears was the generations and generations of women. And I felt that sense of pride and love come through. And when you spoke about the terror, I I could feel that very viscerally. And uh, it's, there isn't one, one podcast that I've, you know, turned on the mic and started recording where I didn't feel some version of that fear, anxiety, or terror before speaking. And that helps me place it even more. You know, I have my own inner critic I work with a lot. I give a lot of love to myself for that. And I, I keep going most days, even through that and relating to that. It helps me put that even into more perspective of who's speaking behind me when I turn the mic on and when that Uh show gets published. So thank you very much. Uh, Just completely touched by both of you and your work and our conversation today. And I appreciate you both. Thanks, Candice. Thanks, Candice. It's, uh, it's been wonderful to, uh, to speak with you and to, to know you and to, you know, that we're, uh, uh, you know, that we're colleagues together and, and walking these paths together is uh, really heartening for me. And uh, I'm, uh, it's so wonderful to uh, share this time with you and your listeners. And thank you to the listeners as well, that, that when you press play, press play and uh, say yes to self-care or self-love and, and listen to these messages that you're also working through, you know, threads of oppression that stop you from, from resting, from rejuvenating, from being there for yourself. And that actually just, just the act of listening is um, an act of healing and, and of saying yes to your own life and releasing some of those, uh, those threads that hold you back. So it's a real privilege to be with you. And thank you again, Candice, for having us on your call. Thank you so much. And, and I, I echo that. Thank you to all the listeners out here and in choosing to take the time to engage with yourself in this way and consider the things that we're saying or let them touch you where they do touch you. And Dan and Emily, it's, it, it is to me uh, that your presence to me is quite um, a beautiful model of masculine, feminine, not just between the two of you, but within and how you do that dance together and within yourselves and share that with the world so vulnerably. And I invite all of the listeners to, to see how that, what that image gives for them and what that engagement gives and, and to try out the consciousness call. It sounds incredible. And I love that you're doing the constellations work right there. So people can engage with it from their home or with a friend if they want to, just to be in that space together and and to listen and to allow what, what wants to be seen. Thank you so much. Are there any last words? I think just, you know, we look forward to, uh, I, you know, to meeting you again in the field. I, I can't wait to, uh, to, you know, for the chance to uh, be together and, and uh, step into the fields of consciousness with you. Likewise. Thank you. If you're feeling the tug of your heart, to do work with 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 us, with Candice, with with any healer that or or practitioner that you know that wants to support you, and then you find yourself kind of making excuses or saying no or stepping back or 
not really creating the time for for taking that step in. Just ask who who is the resistance? You know, who who doesn't doesn't want you to access that gift of of your wholeness and your love? Who stops you? What patterns are alive in your lineage that are preventing you from stepping in and are actually repeating themselves in your life or your children's lives? And how, how can you, despite the resistance in your heart, how can you step in? You know, welcome that person on your journey. Welcome that resistance uh, to come with you. But say yes. So listen to another call. Check out our websites and um, step into your own uh, your own life and your own love. I think that's my my closing statements. Thanks so much, Candice. Thank you so much, Emily and Dan. I look forward to seeing you again. And until then, take care and much love to you both. Thanks. Much love to you as well. Much love, Candice. As we conclude the show today, I want to thank Dan and Emily for coming on the show. It's such a pleasure to be in their presence. I just love when I'm able to connect with someone in the moment and to feel into what's here for all of us, any messages that arise and what seems to be emerging. And it's so fun to do that. I encourage you, if you found anything inspiring or interesting, to reach out to them or connect up with their work at seeingwithyourheart.com and find their consciousness call and see if that's interesting for you. And I'd like to end today's show with a little quote from them that really seems to hold the essence of their work. And here it is. All of us, the inspired, bewildered, angry, hopeful, and unaware, hold the potential to free our hearts from the binds of ancestral entanglements. As these burdens are released, we increase our capacity to live our lives as vehicles for the manifestation of our dreams. Thank you so much, Dan and Emily, and thank you all out there for listening. I hope this has touched you in many ways and in ways that it has touched me. Before you go, if you'd like to stay in touch with me or receive my bi-monthly newsletter, feel free to check that out at candicewu.com slash embody. And if you're interested in receiving more just-in-time kind of meditations, self-love tips, and self-care, you can go to the Embody Community Facebook group. I'm wishing you all a really loving relationship with yourself, and I'll see you next time on the Embody Podcast. <laughs>